0: Welcome to Illumin. I'm Jacinda Isler, Principal of Brisbane Girls Grammar School and your host. In recent years, the debate over the repatriation of cultural and historical artefacts has certainly been gathering momentum, particularly last year following the death of Queen Elizabeth. There was much discussion at that time about artefacts that had been gathered in the colonial era and been gifted to the royal family, many of them now residing in museums across the United Kingdom. Reconciling the actions of those who acted in the past with values of contemporary society is a complex. And kind of fraught area of discussion. And today, to explore it, I'm looking forward to speaking with our head of ancient history, Dr. Rashna Tarapaur, and three of her students, Sophie, Evie, and Audrey. Dr. Tarapaur, you are a highly educated historian, but you have a particular interest and experience in archaeology. Tell us a bit about your experiences studying historical and cultural artefacts.
1: I completed a Masters in Classical Archaeology at the University of London and while I was studying that degree I had the fortunate experience of conducting my tutorials in the British Museum and of course the British Museum is a museum which is central in the discussion of the repatriation of artefacts so I have some experience of enjoying my time in that space. Was this a a very topical issue at the time that you were at the British Museum? It wasn't necessarily in the news all of the time, but I certainly was studying alongside two Greek students and they had certain views Um, when we moved through the museum. They would point out particular vases that they'd hoped would be returned to Athens and, of
0: course, the Parthenon marbles um, was something that was really close to their heart. They had very strong views. And why, listeners may be wondering, why are we talking about this topic today, do you
1: think? Well, it is an issue that pops up in the news quite frequently. Very recently it's popped up in the news off the back of the death of Queen Elizabeth and uh, at the time that she died um, there was quite a bit of debate about objects in the royal collections, especially certain objects that make up part of the crown jewels. Um, so for example at the coronation of King Charles Camilla decided not to to wear the Kohinoor diamond which had formerly been part of the crown jewels that Queen Mary had worn. So she was very conscious to make that choice.
0: And what what was that choice about? What's particular about that diamond?
1: That particular diamond had been taken from India and given to Queen Victoria after the British East India Company annexed the Punjab in 1849. So since that time India has called a number of times for the return of
0: of that particular stone back to India. So I'm these topics are live and current and and, you know we talk about ancient history and archaeology we think of things of the past but these topics are constantly being revisited and it's actually a very contemporary exploration that i'm sure you're undertaking in your classroom audrey if i start with you you've been exploring this issue about repatriation of artifacts in ancient history how is this relevant do you think and is this something we should be talking about today
2: So there's been a lot of controversy in the news at the moment about the repatriation of artefacts. So for example, at the beginning of the year it was rumoured that the British government was going to return the Parthenon marbles to their country of origin, which is Greece, who had built a new museum for them underneath the Parthenon itself. But despite this, for legal reasons, the British PM Rishi Sunak made it clear to the press that the marbles would remain in Britain and not be returned. So this was like a highly contested issue that a lot of people were talking about at the time and there's a lot of different governing bodies who all have a say in what happens to these artefacts.
0: It's incredibly complex, isn't it? It's a truly global dilemma, what you're exploring. So if I go back to you, Dr. Tarrapur, let's start with this controversy surrounding the Parthenon marbles. We know that they are one of the most significant and debated collections in the British Museum. Tell us about that history. What are these artefacts and what are their origins?
1: The Parthenon marbles are a group of architectural sculptures. They once decorated the Parthenon temple on the Acropolis in Athens. They were completed in the 5th century BCE and were intended to display the cultural superiority and leadership of the city of Athens over other city-states of Greece. Those other city-states had entered into a military alliance with Athens called the Delian League. So all of those city-states paid money to Athens to maintain a navy and to offer protection to the members of the League in case they were attacked by the Persians. But the reality is the Athenians could spend that money on whatever they wanted to. And at the suggestion of a politician called Pericles, the Athenians decided to use some of that money to build the Parthenon, along with decorating it with a very expensive and quite elaborate sculptural program. So actually, in one way of looking at it, the Parthenon marbles were originally a product of imperialism.
0: So they're not in Athens now. Tell us, how did they make their way to the British Museum?
1: The marbles were removed by the most notorious collector of them all, Lord Elgin. At the time the marbles were taken from Athens, there was no country of Greece as such. The city was part of the Ottoman Empire. In fact, it had actually been part of the Ottoman Empire for 350 years by that point. Before that, it had actually been part of the Byzantine Empire of Constantine the Great. At the time when the marbles were taken, the Greeks considered themselves not as Hellenes or Greeks, but as Romans, heirs not to the Athens of Pericles, but to the Christian Empire of the Roman Emperor Constantine. So it's at a point where there is no Greece that Lord Elgin is appointed as British ambassador um, in 1801. And so he receives this firman, which is a permit to excavate and remove marbles from the Athenian Acropolis. We think his intentions appear to have been to present uh, fine examples of classical Greek sculpture for the improvement of the arts in Britain, but also
0: perhaps to decorate his own stately home in Scotland. So he's infamous the Seventh Lord of Elgin and this practice of taking artefacts for personal gain we now refer to as Elginism and it has very negative connotations of course. But even at the time, he was criticised, wasn't he, by the likes of Lord Byron and others, and he has been consistently uh, criticised throughout history. The Greeks want the marbles back. They've even built and opened a new museum in anticipation. Tell us a little bit more about that and how's that going to unfold in your view? Yeah, this um, museum that they've built down at the base of the
1: Acropolis is quite an amazing space. They've already filled it with a lot of the other artefacts that they've excavated from the Acropolis Museum. It's really this crown jewel um, that they're hoping for, the Parthenon marbles. They do have some marbles already on display there and they also have some casts on display. But in the time since Elgin took the marbles from Greece, it seems that there's this very strong sense of nationalism that's arisen in Athens and in Greece itself. And so there is really this tussle about where they should ultimately go. I think nobody necessarily thinks that they shouldn't belong in a museum. It's just which museum do they belong in? The local museum in the country of origin Or the World Museum, where they currently reside in Britain. So,
0: Evie, I'm going to go to you, and you know, despite these requests to return the marbles, the British Museum has been reluctant to do that. They are still where they have been for a very long time. Are there any reasons why, in your view, the sculptures should actually stay where they are?
3: Certainly, with the Parthenon marbles, you can see that the. Other parts of the Acropolis back in Greece haven't been preserved as well as they have in the British Museum and so I think it's really important to consider the artifacts themselves and what's best for them in relation to how well we can actually preserve and protect these artifacts and if they are better off and gonna be more protected in that
4: British Museum then that's probably where they should stay.
0: Okay and where do you think they should be Sophie?
4: Well, when they were taken, they were obviously under a different governing power than it is today, so it's sort of hard to determine if they were taken illegally or not. However, I feel like those marbles are a key um, point in determining the heritage of the people in Athens, and I feel like It will help them uncover their past better. However, the British Museum will probably have more visitors than the one at the base of the Acropolis, which will allow for a bigger pool of public knowledge to be discussed around these marbles. So it is really a key debate in deciding, but it's fairly evenly split.
0: It's a a dilemma, still unsolved. What about you, Audrey? You've heard arguments for both sides. Where do you think they should be?
2: I think it's such a difficult issue... But for me, I think they should return to the museum underneath the Acropolis, purely from a standpoint of that museum's going to display them the correct way, the way we would have seen them on the Parthenon, while the British Museum displays them inwards, which I just don't think does them justice.
0: So you, as you go throughout your life, will be watching this controversy and debate. And, and it's interesting, your views may change over time and it'll be, I guess, really exciting and interesting for you to see how that continues to be debated and, and where they ultimately will reside. If we go back to you again, Dr. Taraport, these issues of repatriation, of course, are not just faced by world museums. There was an interesting case, actually, that came up quite locally. I believe that at, in the library of Grafton High School in New South Wales, there was an Egyptian mummified head housed. Do we have any in our collection, Dr Tarrifor? No, no mummified heads. Okay, excellent. How do you think the acquisition of artefacts within a school's teaching collection needs to be considered and managed. There definitely needs to be careful thought into
1: what is acquired within a teaching collection. Our collection in fact is mostly replicas and I think that's a, a very nice way for students to be able to handle artifacts um, without the concern that they might be damaged or broken and suddenly it um, circumnavigates the issue of the repatriation of, of the objects and it allows very famous pieces to be replicated and handled. We also do have some authentic objects within our collection. They tend to be things like coins, small Egyptian amulets, bronze figurines, things that are found in abundance at archaeological sites. Uh, So because we do have so many of these types of objects, often museums themselves have difficulty housing them and they're quite keen for them to be used throughout the world um, for these more educational purposes in fact we have actually very recently acquired a very small bronze statuette it's the greek hero perseus holding the head of medusa it's an absolutely gorgeous little piece and we're very happy to have it in our collection and because it's the sort of thing that you have more than one copy of it's not necessarily going to be a controversial object that needs repatriation. So I'm going to ask our ancient
0: history students a question now about replicas versus the authentic, the real object. Obviously replicas are a wonderful way to learn and it's a great part of your education to be able to see, touch and see the proportions of various things. But is there something special about the real object? Do you get a sense of... I guess, wonder or a sense of the sacredness of it in some ways. Sophie, is there a difference in your view? Have you what's, What sort of authentic replicas have you seen, maybe in your travels or in your studies or maybe at a museum? Is there something different about the real thing?
4: I feel like when looking at the real artefact like for example in I think year 8 we studied the Sutton Hoo helmet and I got a chance to see that last year I think. There was a sense of grandeur and a sense of more appreciation for the real object as you can you can sort of see where it's gone and sort of the path it's created in history and I feel like the real object is a bit more helpful when looking at it from a research standpoint sort of based on small details and where it is and like the type of soil that might be on it and things like that so i feel like replicas are definitely a good way to learn and to get more people looking at artifacts but i think the real artifacts are very
0: impressive what about you Evie?
4: replicas are really good because it gives you kind
3: of an idea of what they look like and all that kind of thing. But I think there's something really special about seeing the actual artefact because you can kind of imagine while you're seeing it what actually happened to it in the past. And it's kind of in your mind that, wow, this has actually been like held and touched by ancient civilizations, And it's just pretty incredible to think
0: about. Mm, It's kind of beyond our comprehension, isn't it? What about you, Audrey? How do you feel?
2: So I have to agree with Evie and Sophie. Like replicas are perfect for studying and for purposes where you don't necessarily need to know all about how the artefact was crafted but just there's something so special about looking at an artefact and knowing that it was there for generations before you.
0: Something magical about it isn't it? That The longevity and the history that it contains makes it kind of magical. Evie, what do you think about this case of the mummified head in Grafton? that is not even an object, but it's actually human remains. Should they be repatriated?
3: Well, I certainly see that there are benefits to having artifacts and there are um, on display for people to learn from and see. I think there's something different about human remains because there's, well, like the mummies, you've got to consider the actual culture and civilization that it came from. And you've got to think about being respectful to those cultures because um, those cultures like the ancient Egyptians, they did have strong religious beliefs about the afterlife and probably didn't imagine that their mummies would be removed from their burial sites, their tombs and even their countries and so you've got to think about that when you're displaying these elsewhere and so I think that in the case that they aren't on display, there's not as much of a problem with repatriation because if they're not in display in a museum then they're not doing as much good there and they could Mm -hmm. easily be returned to the country of origin.
0: Yeah, okay, so they're being stored in in the dark somewhere and not being seen by anyone. Sophie, tell me, you've been exploring this issue of repatriation of artefacts in ancient history. Where do you sit on the debate? Do you think there are benefits in having artefacts from other areas of the globe? Or do you think they should all be repatriated to their country of origin?
4: Well, I think there are points definitely for both sides, but I feel that if archaeological artefacts have been illegally excavated or just taken from their country of origin and their exact provenance is known, that they should definitely be repatriated. So most artefacts when they were excavated and sold to museums was at a time where the archaeological practices weren't very ethical and people usually took them without any permits or any legal Things to stop them from actually doing that. Mm. So, for example, um, one of the statues of Aphrodite, which was originally housed at the Getty Museum, had evidence to support it being illegally bought by the Getty and smuggled out of the country. So, that was, and as well as many other artifacts in the Getty, returned back to their country of origin. Also, I think a point to take into account is the cultural significance of the objects. So, Mm. there could still be living ancestors and cultures that really appreciate these objects. and these artifacts are ingrained within the nation's like heritage and in order to forge their national identity. However, I feel like archeological artifacts should be housed in a world museum if they're legally acquired and their safety and preservation is also like guaranteed and will be the best there because world museums such as the British Museum or the Berlin Museum, they were built to preserve artifacts and to allow public exposure. So Mm -hmm. compared to some other smaller museums which might charge a fee to actually get in, it will allow for the public to be more informed about artefacts in a world museum as part of the world shared heritage.
0: It's very complex, isn't it? And I think yes. your articulation of all the layers of ethics and the intersection of different views, you've captured absolutely beautifully, Sophie. Mm-hmm. Audrey, tell me, are there any other possible solutions that we might try in the future?
2: There are certain artefacts that have been loaned to their countries of origin, including the Sphinx's beard, which was loaned back to Egypt from the British Museum, and this allowed more people to see the artefact and appreciate it as a whole because it was reunited with its other parts. And there have also been some artefacts that have been loaned back to a world museum. For example, the Yucatan artefacts on loan to the British Museum by the Mexican government who saw value in having their artefacts in a more globally accessible museum. And there's just one other solution that's more idealised would be to have like a rotation of artefacts, so every museum puts in a certain amount of artefacts and mm-hmm. then it rotates every two or three years so these artifacts could be viewed and appreciated by a larger audience.
0: So the future is going to raise many more questions but also I think you've highlighted some possible solutions. And again, it'll be interesting for you through your study of ancient history and the foundations of learning and your exposure to artefacts to actually follow that, I imagine, in the years ahead. So my last question is for Dr. tarapore Why do you think it is important for students in secondary school and particularly through their history subjects to encounter and consider artefacts and their significance? Well certainly as Sophie,
1: Audrey and Evie have just highlighted it does spark this sense of wonder in students, in everybody. Um, When you're contemplating something that's thousands of years old that was crafted by somebody who lived their life thousands of years old, uh, it does give you that sense of curiosity about that other person and also that sense of connection that you're touching something that they once touched and through that object you're almost touching them. So uh, I think that certainly is a key part of it. I know that certainly artefacts were for me something that fascinated me as a student and it's been the times that I've been able to actually hold objects that I've felt the most tangible connection with that past that I love studying in an intellectual way but this just gives it
0: a physicality to it. Dr Tara Poore, Audrey, Evie and Sophie thank you for talking us through a very complex but very interesting topic today. You have been listening to Illumin, a podcast by Brisbane Girls Grammar School. Music for this podcast was written and performed by former Year 12 student Alicia Seng. To ensure you never miss an episode of Illumin, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. And to learn more about the school, visit the website at www.bggs.qld.edu.au.